Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ann, for always reminding us about the tithe and how we should rejoice. Amen. You know, can I just, well, they're getting themselves sorted out and I get to poke at things. Um, I, I grew up tithing. It was just the right thing to do. And everybody gets uncomfortable at that juncture when we say money in church. Well, you get more comfortable. Wouldn't you rather have God tell you about it? Yeah. Amen. I've been to financial seminars not conducted by believers. <laughs> Boring. Yes, the children are dismissed. <laughs> Amen. Go have fun. I heard you are doing some very fun things today. Amen. Well, you know, I knew some folks. Well, they were more than one, but I'll give you this example. Both of them had very good jobs. They often came in and combated me over, over tithes and offerings. I, I just listened. I didn't say anything to the contrary. But they fought it all the time. Fought it, fought. I don't want to do it. I don't believe it's right. I think it's Old Testament. And I listened. I was smiling. <laughs> paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck with very low bills in their home. And, and, and debt continued to increase. Truth, true story. Often coming to me, did I have a little money? At that time, my husband was working in a very low paying job because he'd been laid off and now he had found another job. I think it was $15 an hour or something. The church wasn't paying me and we never went without. You can tell. <laughs> you know, I've had to trim some of that out off. <laughs> And, you know, I tell you what, we, we always had extra money. And we tithed. It didn't make any natural sense. We just obeyed God, and guess what? It worked. And, and as much as you want to fight it, and da da da, da I, if I could chapter and verse you and show you in the New Testament where it's a good thing. As a matter of fact, you'd have to give more. Um, <laughs> when money doesn't have you, and things don't have you, and you realize it's all God's, you do better. And you won't be fussing. And you'll be continuing. I, I mean, I see it all the time. I By the way, just so that you know, I don't look at the books where it says this is how much somebody gave. I don't do that. I, I don't know that I ever really had, except when I was doing the books, then I sort of had to. But I haven't had to do the books for many years in the church. I don't look. I get a total every week, and I pray for it. And for those who sowed and those who gave and those who are struggling, does God know when things are tough? Absolutely. It's why he brings the word on it to help you and release you. And one more thing about tithing. You don't tithe to someone who isn't your pastor. You tithe where you're being fed. And if you don't tithe first, offerings don't work. So offerings are on top of tithe. Yeah, it's not really an offering. It might feel like sacrificial, but it's not. <laughs> We don't give by feelings. It's God's anyways. You get to have 90% of it, really. What are you doing with it? And why isn't that 90% working for you? See, she's nice. You should listen to Pastor Ann. I never have to know or, or look at a book to tell who's tithing and not. There's evidence. And it screams out everywhere, but it usually freaks out in my face at some point. I don't have to give. That's right, you don't. Never. Never, never, never. I don't have to tithe. That's right, you don't. Be happy then. <laughs> be very happy and you're not giving. <laughs> as much as you can be. The more my husband and I have obeyed this and just out of fun, even when things were tight, that we continue to have his blessing and favor on our life to the point where now we're like, oh, 
yeah, we don't, we went past that. You know, we always thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice sometime if someone were, you know, comes along and we can just, and we can. Now, it's not perfect yet, but it's going on that way. <laughs> Amen. Can I encourage you to just get over yourself? Stop fussing, because chances are if you're fussing, don't fuss to people. Fuss to him and see what he says about it. I think he's got a way of working it out with you. Now, last week, we were so blessed to have Dr. John. Wasn't he fun? He's fun. He's old. And we love him so very much. What did he say? He was 87. I, didn't th I wasn't going to tell on him, but he told on himself. I like the way he approached money. He says, I'm not here to get your money. I'm just here reporting what happened. How he thinks bigger and wants to go bigger and has us grasp it. In the, one of the areas in South uh, America he's talked about going, there's over 50 million people. And he says, well, you're going to need more than 5,000. We're going to need 50,000 missionaries to go in an area where there's 50 million. And when he talks like that, it makes sense. But when he first said 50,000 50, missionaries that he's believing for, my head kind of went, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Train up 50,000 50, believers who can work together and submit to God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and I remember the assignment on my life. God's told me to raise up leaders, and that there's anointing to raise up leaders. So I can do my part. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. If you're here and you believe you're a leader, that's probably why God brought you here. Yeah. You have leadership capabilities. Maybe it's not within uh, what we would call like the workings of the church, a missionary or something, but maybe you're a leader in your workplace. Are you considered to be a leader amongst your peers, wherever you are? I can tell you that Pastor Ann's always been a leader before she was a pastor. When she, because I've known her for a long time. I remember when she was, I think, 10 when I met her. And so she was always in charge. <laughs> we love you, Pastor Ann. <laughs> Amen. So one of the keys is we have this thing that happens all the time when we're talking about believers that there's this instrument that we have and many people come and say, well, I can't see God. Why should I? You know, I can't see him. I can't see him. I can't see him. We've been praying about your eyes being open. We've been praying about how our ears could be more open. And when the things of God arise in our church and things like that, we think, hmm, you know, by the way, it's okay to bring a paper and pen and take notes or you can watch it again later. Uh, and you might have to have a lot of scriptures today. And that's all right. We'll get, we'll get through as many as we are able to bear today. <laughs> Amen. So we, we often think about things we cannot see. We trust in a God we cannot see. And people fuss about that a lot. But there's lots of things we cannot see. I will never see my face. Neither will any of you. Right? You will never see your face. You know, you might see, like, some people can get their tongue up to their nose, and that kind of is creepy. Um, but, <laughs> and then people have the gift of tongues. There are people who can take, like, the maraschino cherry, the thing off of it, and tie it in knots. <laughs> the gift of tongues is, you know, not just for speaking in other tongues. <laughs> they can do all kinds of things with their tongues, you know, like, things like that. Not everybody can do that. Uh, you know, but we will never really see it unless it's super long. You will never see your face. You will only see a reflection of your face. True. There is something in our human body that also we cannot see, but we could see if we were wakened up during surgery when we had our heart open. But I don't think they like you to do that. They, you know, if they've cut your chest open, they don't really want you awake. But that particular, <laughs> I don't really want to be awake. No, I don't want to have open heart surgery with everybody looking. But it could be seen, and we could certainly see somebody else's. But that very part of our body causes all things to function. If our heart is not functioning, we don't breathe. We don't get oxygen. Our brain doesn't work right. And sometimes our brain goes on after the heart's quit, but not for long. It doesn't have the sustaining ability because it's not getting oxygen. So while the brain may continue on a little bit past the heart beating, it won't for long. So when we talk about our minds uh, having to be renewed, that's a, something to remember. It doesn't work well without the heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And so we need to learn about the heart because it's, it's vital. It's a vital organ for everything we do. When our heart works right, we're going to be in the beat and our steps are going to be on beat with Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Would you turn with me please to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Hallelujah. Your heart is your believing tool. Last week, one of the other things that Dr. Lucas says is, you need to take a, just take a step of faith. You need to take a step of faith. 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 And then we have all kinds of interesting things that happen the week after. Taking a step of faith is not a step of flesh. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's what it says in the Bible. I'm just going to do it. And to some degree, that's not completely wrong. But the Bible says to go into all the world. So you don't buy a plane ticket on Monday and, and just say, wherever the plane's going. I'm going to all the world. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel. Don't really know what that is. Not really sure. It says preach the gospel and we're going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to stand on a rock and grab my Bible. I'm going to say, I'm preaching the gospel. Okay, that would, not, that would be a step of the flesh where you figure it out and you put the ABCs together and come up with this plan and then ask God to bless it. That is not the plan of God for you. Amen? We can go into all the world in our backyard. We have so many nations right here in Surrey. The nations have come to us. Amen? Amen. So what does it say in Romans 10, 9, and 10? It says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe where? In, heart. in your heart. The very source. The very source. Amen? That God has raised him from the dead, you should be saved. So that's the basics. That's what we want to be able to communicate to others. But if you don't believe it first, it's very difficult to communicate that. Amen. The next verse says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Where is your mouth? It's in your? See, this is not complicated. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, it was like an easy, that would, no one should fail at this. <laughs> so we know our mouth is in our head. And our brain doesn't function without the heart. Hmm? Right? So if the heart is not beating and not providing all the things it needs, the brain's going to quit working. And if the heart is not in the right place, believing the right things, the things that have come out of the mouth, aren't going to be right. Have you ever met someone who's been deprived of oxygen? We have a few nurses here, people who've worked in that field. You, I can tell you, I've seen it myself, where when someone is deprived of oxygen, they get confused. Every time. They don't function well. Their memories kind of can, hmm. <laughs> you think, what is this person on drugs? No, they just don't have oxygen. They faint, they fall over, they can't function. When your heart is not in the right believing space or believing perhaps the wrong things, what's going to come out of your mouth, which is in your head, isn't going to be good. Simple, right? Not complicated. Why do we want to uncomplicate this? Because if we're going to really be people who take a step of faith, then we are going to have to be people who get things in our heart correctly and strong. Now, in Luke chapter 7, which isn't in our notes, but you don't have to go there, I'll just tell you the story. It'll be okay. But you can read it later if you like. In Luke chapter 7, we find the incident where Jesus meets up with Peter. Peter and John are in the boat. They've been fishing all night, and they're frustrated. Now, many people get frustrated in church because they come to a place where we've heard it. It's been said. This is the promise of God, but it ain't happening. I have done everything I am supposed to do. I have fished all night and the nets are empty. Look with your eyes. <laughs> empty nets. And some of you are in that place. You're right at the place. I believe God. I've said his word. I did what I know to do. Do you think Peter, who was a professional fisherman, knew how to fish? The answer is simple. We're not breaking any kind of like mind-blowing things here. He knew what to do. 
He knew what to do. He knew how to fish. But their nets are empty. Some of you have walked in a place where you have experienced miracles, answers to your prayers. But currently, they seem a little distant, those answers to your prayers. And, and that's not uncommon. So the problem is now, how do we get fish in the net? How do we take a step of faith and stay in faith and keep our heart right and then have right things come out of our mouth where we don't want to do it? Can't you see the empty net? I mean, it's not hard to see no fish. Right? It's not, not, not deep science here. None of this is. However, in order to make this jump, to hear God's word and his solution, there was something they had to do. In order to get that fish or that net full of fish, they had to put aside what they knew and their knowledge. I'm telling you this morning, if you're in a place where you need to have greater faith and for your heart to be filled better and for your heart to start working with the promises of God, you're going to have to set aside sometimes the things you already know. If you're going to grow and go on to math six instead of grade one, one plus one equals two, and you want to go on to long division, you're going to have to do some things differently. You might have to write it all down. When I said this morning, you might have to start taking notes again. This is a good thing. Taking notes is good. What do you want to remember? How do you want to remember it? What stands out to you personally? Because if these things don't change, we're going to stay in the same place. We've got to be able to dump what we know and be able to say, you know, there's, there's nothing. I mean, when you think about it, you think about that boat, and, and Jesus' instruction is, well, go out and just throw it on the other side. Now, I happen to know that there are a few people who fish here, and when they're in a boat, there's a say, you know, there's not going to be different fish on this side of the boat than the other. <laughs> that is not, that is nonsense. I fished a few times in my life <laughs> on a boat and on the shore, and I can tell you that that does not make sense. Same hole. What was the difference? Peter said, nevertheless, at your word. So he was putting down his own words and picking up God's word on the matter. This is where the heart has to come to and have some fixing done, where it's open to what God has to say more than what you have to say. And when you've got what God's word has to say, it will come out of your mouth. Be a good thing. Everybody want to learn, then you're going to have to and come into greater faith. There was a time in my life where I was in a bit of a tight spot. <laughs> and I, I, I was, I, I mean, I preach these things, right? So I study them. I don't just preach what I haven't walked in. I, I'm, sometimes there's a stretch prophetically, but for the most part, <laughs> sometimes God has a surprise when, when I'm, that's what I mean by that. Sometimes while we're ministering, the Lord will bring a word that I had not planned, right? Now, for the most part, I study the word every day. I talk to the Lord every day, not because somebody made me, not because I have to. I enjoy it. And when I'm preparing a word, I talk to the Lord. I'm, you know, mutter around. And, you know, I, you could even ask Abigail. Sometimes I just mutter. And uh, although a few times I've been so lost in space kind of thing and at my computer reading and whatnot, she's come to the door and I've gone, <gasps> you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I start studying. I look up a word. I go down this path. I go down that path. And the next thing you know, I'm like, and then I'm getting deep in thought. And so and she's learned now. She just waits until I kind of. I notice there is somebody there. Praise the Lord. And then I don't go, ah! <laughs> when we can put down and put aside everything we think is right, we can learn something new. And this is very difficult for humans because we want to be right. And this is something we're going to have to confront. Thank you. I appreciate that. He just rescued us all from a spider hanging down from the ceiling. 
Praise the Lord. We're not a fan of spiders. Amen. So we have this place where, where we are hitting walls, many people. Where we say, you know what? I, I, I've done everything I know to do. I know what's right. I know what the Bible says. How are we going to take that step of faith that, that Dr. Lucas spoke about? What are we going to do and what does it look like? What does that look like in my life? What does it look like for my neighbor? Well, you can't do that for your neighbor. And no one could do it for me personally. And I can't do it for you. This is why sometimes I say, I stand in agreement with you and I can agree, but you're the one who's got to get the promise. And when it's in your heart, It'll come out of your mouth mm. because it'll be working in sync. It'll be breathing God's kind of air on it. Amen? And it'll come with the ball. You know, it's wonderful. Psalm 51, 6 says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. There's a reason we want to look after our hearts. There's a reason we want to be open to learning about our heart. Because it's with the heart man believes. So when the heart is messed up because something frustrated you, you got disappointed. It didn't come when you wanted it to come. It didn't look like what you thought it would look like. You go back to God and you say, I know God. You desire me to have truth inside me. You know, sometimes we have to read other translations. They're very good. In Matthew chapter 5 and 8, it says, Blessed are the for they shall see God. Amen. We want to see God's perspective. It says um, in the message translation, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. And I was like, whoa, that's really good. And a really great explanation of how we can adjust and see things better. As I said, I've preached a lot of word. I've taught the word for years. And I reached a place where I really desperately needed an answer. And this person was then quoting scripture at me in my face. And I'm like, mm-hmm, on the inside, mm-hmm. And what I could, and what was going on, my inside world was saying, I know that. I preached that. I, and those are very true factual things. Absolutely. Can you imagine saying something like that to, you know, a well-known preacher? I mean, this person had sat under the ministry had been blessed by it, had been strengthened by it, had learned things. And it wasn't Doreen. And I uh, <laughs> just thought I'd add that in just in case you were thinking that. And they kept, and they kept coming at me. And, and, and at, at one point, I recognized that I wasn't hearing them. And if we're going to take a step of faith, what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to hear. Because faith comes by? If my heart's going to beat correctly, it's going to have to have the sounds and words of faith be spoken into it and me to grasp it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ah, hmm. So this is how I get truth in my inward part. I've got to open my ear to hear, which is in my so I've got these ears and this mouth attached to my head. And that apparently, the ear lets the words go in and get in my heart, and then the mouth can speak them. Now, often the heart isn't connected, and that's why we have trouble. Because we hear it and we speak it without it ever becoming rooted. Hmm? Hmm. So, blessed, blessed. So, after I, this was going on, and they're quoting scriptures at me, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, I wasn't doing it on my outside face. But my inside was messed up. It wasn't flowing accurately. It didn't have solidity. How was that again? He says, when you're inside world, your mind and heart put right. It wasn't right. My mind wasn't functioning in, in, in heartbeat <laughs> with my heart. It wasn't flowing together. It wasn't listening to my heart. But when it did, I paused and went, hang on. Just give me a second. And right in that moment, I said, God, I'm really sorry. Settled myself. All right. Say it again. And they, they're now, now they're like, what is going on there? Because I didn't explain myself. I said, say it again. 
And so they, and the funny thing was it kind of flustered the person too. They were like, hmm, what's going on? So they said it. I said, can you say it again? I went, okay. And as she said, and this time, something was happening on the inside. I had my ears tuned into my heart. I had them working together. And now the sounds of faith were coming alive. And I said, all right, give it to me one more time. And strength came into my life. You see, many of us have pursued strength the wrong way. I have strengthened the word because I heard the word. It got in my heart, and then it came out my mouth because I believed it. Faith came by hearing it because it in, through my ears and into my heart, and things started to work correctly. Mm. Many people try to get strength in a fight through a prophetic word. What is prophecy? Come on, Bible students. Exhortation, edification, comfort. Was strength in that list? No, it was not. Edification, exhortation, comfort. You're going to get through. It'll be okay. But that's comfort. It's not strength. But when faith came in through my ears, which were now tuned to hear his word, my heart started to beat with the sounds of faith. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this prayer's answered. God has heard me. God always hears me. God always hears me. God always hears you. God hears you. Even when you're crazy, God hears you. Otherwise, nobody crazy would ever get saved. Right? Absolutely. It works. He's always listening. Now, he doesn't always agree with what you're saying, and you should thank him for that. Amen? <laughs> but isn't that wonderful? It begins to work, and suddenly you're like, I, yes! And you're putting your net on the other side of the boat. And this is where it gets filled. You want to take a step of faith, you're going to have to put aside your precious pride that said you knew it all. Because in that moment, if you want faith to rise up, you're going to have to hear faith in that moment. Now, Pastor Ann referred to the parable with seeds. And in Mark chapter 4, where it talks about the word coming, and we know that 30, 60, 100 folds, so I didn't fall on good ground, etc. Mark chapter 4, verse 13 says, if, if you don't know this parable... How are you going to know the rest of them? If you don't understand that operation of seed going into the ground and reproducing, you're not going to get it. And this is the truth. And we know this. I can't plant and expect a harvest out of last year's seeds. Hmm? They expire. If you don't treat them right and keep them right, they won't grow. Now, there are some things you can help come to seed some things like we were discussing at home, that carrots take two years to come to seed. So don't pull it up. That'll keep a couple carrots and let them grow and have an experiment at home with your children. Watch them. Teach them about real seeds because the word works just like it. And it's such a great reference. And this is the benefit of having you know, a, a teacher teach them about seed growth because they can understand when the word goes in their heart, that's what's going to come out. And if the seed is not coming out and bearing uh, the leaves, if it's not growing, it, there's something wrong. Now, either the seed wasn't good that you got, which could be very true. When you're getting seed that's been messed up and somebody else's idea, how does that work and what does that look like? It looks like this. My neighbor says they did this and they got an answer to prayer. This was the word my friend was standing on. It was so good for her. She believed God and she quoted this scripture and it came alive for her and she got an answer. Now I'm going to do what she did. That's expired seed, folks. You need to have it for yourself. You need to hear God for yourself just like Peter needed to. Peter needed to set aside his expertise. There are things that I have known for many years and operated in. But if I don't have a freshness on it, if I don't have that fresh revelation, God's a precious ointment that flows when we speak, I'm just going to be up here doing what I can't do by, without him. 
and that's going to be very boring for all of you. And, you know, it could be dry, and I know the word of God is, you know, very good to help when I've just been awful. And it's like that. It says you can preach the word in contention, and some could even get blessed. But I don't want to do that either. <laughs> Amen. I'm sure you don't want me doing that either. So we come to the place of how do we take that step of faith then? We're going to have to set, first of all, set those things aside. Everybody here knows when they're in trouble, right? Nobody has to tell you. We don't have to stand up here on a Sunday morning saying, boy, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know you're in trouble. Now, sometimes, you know, we put on a face because we're in church. And we think, <laughs> we go home and go back to our trouble pit. And, uh, <laughs> and no one at church would ever know because none of those pastors are prophetic or pray. They don't really hear God. Guess what? We know. Now, we don't know everything. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Aren't you glad we only know in part? <laughs> but that's why I need you to do your part, because you know in part. I know in part. And that's why we need to come together, because then together it works better. Amen? So you're going to have to set aside your pride. You're going to have to set that thing aside. I know how this works. Do you? Are you in faith today? Well, sure I'm in faith, Pastor. I'm in church. <laughs> Took faith to get out of bed. And, you know, I've never had any of those days. Praise the Lord. <laughs> with the heart, man believes. With the heart, man believes. Say it with me. With the heart, man believes. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about covenant, because covenant's important. If you're going to understand and have a foundation, you're going to set aside. I know all about covenant, really. Well, I haven't learned it all yet, and I've been around for a while, so we can all learn. Amen. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. And because we have been, as people, accepted Jesus on the cross, we have been grafted in. So now we're part of this house, just so that you know. I will put my laws where? Oh. That's where you remember stuff. Amen? And write them where? In their hearts. Oh, that's pretty cool. This is those things that happen when you get saved and no one really had to tell you life is wrong. You, something in your heart goes, and your head goes, that's wrong. You always knew it was wrong. Your mother told you lying was wrong. Your teachers told you lying was wrong. But when you got born again and something started to happen inside, you went, your heart goes, wrong. <laughs> but maybe not out loud like that. But it goes, you know, all of that. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Yay, we've been reconciled. And isn't that what God has called us to? Reconciliation, to be reconciled, be at one with him, part of the family. And we know that that's what God is building here. And that's why people get upset. People reject the connection God's trying to bring them to. I'll be reconciled on my own terms. How's that working for you? Not well. I could say this. You probably have laws written in your head, but nothing got in your heart. Because if your heart's beating right, right things come out of your mouth. <laughs> and when right things are coming out of your mouth and you're in covenant, proper covenant with God, you're not going to be angry with him. Now, you might be angry for a moment. Because sometimes we get angry because things didn't work the way we thought. So we, get, we blame God because he's big and it's easy. It's an easy target. It's, and, and chances are it wasn't the devil anyway. It was your flesh. But we don't like to say that not in church. We quietly slip that one through and kind of under the carpet. But there's an elephant in the room and we'd like to address it. Most of the problems are our flesh. Where we fight against it. God has made great promises for our country. Great promises for our city. Great promises over this church. And just because today we are not living in that promise in a manifested way that people think it should look like doesn't mean God is in that work. He's healing. He's doing miracles. Hello. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall. But I'm not seeing what I thought it would look like. But people are getting healed. Did you miss that? 
I listened this morning when we heard testimony healing. Now I'm not trying to pick. But why weren't we like, yeah, the Canucks won like the Stanley Cup, you know? Well, because we know that would be a real miracle. So, <laughs> thank you. Why aren't we like out of our seats excited when we hear a miracle? Isn't that what he promised? Aren't you like so blessed he forgave you? I mean, my, what could have been against me or you? You know, I mean, really? I, I will be to them a God and they'll be to me a people. Why are we resisting that? Well, I just want to, you know, he'd do it for me by myself. Yes, he would, but he intended you to belong to the family. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Verse 11 says, they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me. The ones who got in covenant with him, not the rest. And sometimes people take things out of context. I hear that frequently. Well, we're all just in, under God's hand. No, 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 you're not. <laughs> and that is really evident. We could look out at the government situation and going, hmm, that is not the family of God. Mm -mm -mm. They are not breathing that life. They're not breathing the good things of his promise. Their heart is not like, oh, full of faith. Who is their God? Mm -mm. They're not there. But we don't worry about it. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. That's God. That's God. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's our God. But they have to come. Amen? And that he says, a new covenant, he has made the, the first old. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. It doesn't mean that laws and God's laws, and, and I mentioned one of them a couple of weeks ago, which seems to stir the crowd quite a bit, where I talked about cussing, and we shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You see, no one should have to be told that, but sometimes we're ignorant and we fall prey and it's sly and it's sneaky and things come into our mouth because we've heard them. They didn't get in our heart and so they just kind of bypassed and kind of came out and the next thing you know, Christians are cussing everywhere and they're cussing in their, their uh, texting OMG and all of that. That's cussing. That's taking the name of the Lord in vain. Taking And when you say, oh my God, that is taking his name in vain. And if you want to have and walk in power of his name and walk in power of the name of Jesus, you can't mock it. People wonder why there's no power in the church. Well, that, that's just one reason. You cannot walk in what you mock, right? That was that, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just refreshing you and reminding you. When the covenant gets written on our hearts, these things become alive, but they can get clouded or kind of dropped on by circumstances, situations we get in, and then they get messed up. And, and we begin to function more in our flesh because we don't want to admit what's going on in our heart isn't nice. God will fix your heart. He's good at that. Not us. I can't fix it. You can't fix your own. But God will fix it. We've seen that. But we're going to have to come to faith in that. Perhaps the first step we need to take in faith is believing that. Amen? Now, when I talked about God writing, that word write means this, and I liked it so much I had to tell you. He says figuratively, write. When he's talking about writing it on your heart, writing it on your mind, uh, when it says to fix indelibly upon it, cause to cleave to it, and to, to be always vividly present to it. I got excited about that. Vividly present to the truth of it. More than anything else. When that word comes alive to you, it becomes vividly present. Right there, you begin to think it. Have we not heard about renewing our mind, the washing of the water, the word, having the mind of Christ? This is what happens as he begins to write or inscribe his goodness into our mind. When he writes his laws there, they're not like, you don't do this and you don't do that. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a bunch of do's. Go to the gospel. Trust me. I'm your father. Blessed are you in the field. Blessed are you when you go. My favor will be with you. A covenant is a covenant kept. It's not a wishy-washy hope so. 
A covenant is eternal promise that what God said and what Jesus did at the cross is eternal and will last forever. And it's great and it's wonderful. And then it becomes easy when the Lord says, go out there and you're going to have to put this on the other side. It's like no big deal. Right. That's the word of the Lord. That's how it will work. And sometimes it means you just have to do something slightly different than you've always done it before. When growing up in the Salvation Army, when we were uh, evangelizing and witnessing, there were certain methods that they had. I can tell you the methods worked. Very simple. We shared with people the four spiritual laws. And we had little pamphlets that so-and-so. And we'd hand out those tracts. People don't so much hand out tracts anymore. But we did. Some of them were scary. There were some Jack Chick uh, ones that were, had very bad pictures of hell. They were scary and terrifying and weird angels. And, oh, you know, people burning in hell. And, it was, and we, you know, it was more of like scare people out of hell than lead them to heaven. But it worked. <laughs> and that was the day and the hour. And to some degree, those methods still can work. It's true. They still can. But what if God is saying to do it a slightly different way than what you're comfortable with? Hmm. Can, are we open to that? Are we open to sharing things according to the way he's leading us? Or do we always have to do it according to the method? Just a question. Because if we can ask that question, we can apply it in other situations. So that when you're believing him for something or trusting him for something, now, you can believe for a word to be ministered to you. When I was expecting one of our children, I stood on the verse from Exodus that talked about the babies coming quickly. Now, that's kind of out of context, to be honest. It's not really that way. They didn't really, uh, uh, it was something that they told the, them to, to keep the baby safe. And so they told them that. But I took it that way. And, you know, so 35 minutes with the first one, 45 with the second. Um, <laughs> but I, I, that was the word that God put in my heart, and I believed it. And it worked. It was off, but God was merciful. <laughs> but I believed it. That's your word. But I believe it can work for me. Bam. So then I was kind of nervous. By the time you have three and you're kind of like that, so I got stalled up a bit because I thought, that was, it was sort of nerve-wracking for all of us. You know, the baby comes so quick, you can't quite, you know, are you going to make it to the hospital at number three, you know? So I got nervous. And so the other one took a little longer. But as soon as I got my place of faith, bam, baby came. I got my heart right. And then I could hear that I had to get outside of what I knew. And so there am I in the hospital, and they're about to say all kinds of different things. And da, 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 we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And my heart wasn't right. I was trying to operate with my net on that side of the boat. And I had to have the other way. Got myself settled, prayed, buried, gone off to get some food. And by the time he got from my bedside to the cashier, Mr. Drager, in that moment of time, I got my heart right, heard from heaven and baby was on the way and was there very shortly. I, I share that story because I had to put some things aside. I've shared a spiritual story. I've shared a natural story. I want you to know that you can take a step of faith for your family, but you're going to have to lay aside some of what you know. And it's mostly because it's rooted in pride. And if you can see that, you can jump over. God wants to write his word right there, indelibly fix it, so that when you're in a situation, something, I mean, things rise suddenly, correct? And they can come up out of the blue. What are we going to do? Are we going to panic like we've always done before? I can tell you God is endeavoring to raise up an army of people who can operate in that faith quickly. And if, once you've had a few kind of practice shots with those other things, then when something comes along that needs you to come out with the word of God, well, what's in your heart will come out. And if you've been doing this where you've been putting the word in, that the strength of that word will rise up from within, come out your mouth, and you won't be shaken by any sudden circumstance. And that's where he wants every one of us to operate from. Amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, in turn there, 
I hope you're enjoying this today. We're helping you be strong in the word of God, strong people of faith, people who are not moved by circumstance, and people who know how to get themselves on the right side of the boat with their nets on the right side. Amen? Because God has got a big harvest waiting for every one of us. These are the days we're going to have to know how to operate in these things. Because if you listen to the world, the world's gone nuts. Do you know every time it goes nuts, they think it's the end of the world? Now, I do know Jesus is coming soon, and we will preach that till we die. But we could honestly go on to heaven, all of us. But we will still preach Jesus is coming because he is. But we don't determine his coming by everything that's going wrong. He said when he saw all those things coming, he said, don't be, don't be upset. Don't be alarmed. Don't be shaken. For all these things have to, have to happen. Okay. And that's what, okay, so what are we going to do in the meantime? Fuss about them? No. Get upset about them? No. Be shocked by them? No. Whoa, the, they're doing what the Bible said. And does that equal the end of time? Not yet. But the end is not yet. All these things have to happen, but the end is not yet. Just don't be looking. It's not the measure. The measure comes from our Father. Jesus said, I don't know the time either. How did it come? By his voice. Why is it important for you to learn to hear his voice and have it in your heart? So when he calls the trumpet, we go, yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Did you find 2 Corinthians 3 3? For as much as you are manifestly de <laughs> manifestly declared manifestly declared. Everyone can see it and they're talking about it. I can tell you this. It is one of the most difficult things to happen as you transition into being in the family of God. People talk about you. They were talking about you before, but now you know. <laughs> because before you were born again, you didn't really, you, you were really worried about what people think, but while you're worrying about that, they were worried about what they think. And you didn't know what you thought and thought back and forth and back and forth and nobody really knew what everybody thought. And if you follow that, you did well. <laughs> when you get born again, you go, oh, they really do talk about me. I really don't care. <laughs> They're going to. They talked about Jesus. They don't like him. And then there were others who loved him. There will be some who may not like you. And that's okay. It's all right. No big deal. How many people in the world, do you know how many thousands of believers there are? Hang out with them. They won't just love you, they'll like you. Why are you torturing yourself trying to make unsaved people who don't like Jesus like you? Mm -hmm. Things that happen when we're trying to find a verse. <laughs> For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Huh. This is, your life is an open book. Everybody's reading it. Now, the stories they may read, you may want to have the blood over. Some of those stories, I, it's a funny thing that happens. You know, you get saved. Your life is wonderful. Great. And somebody comes along from your past, and you're like, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And the first thing they say is, I know who you really are. You're not that person. You haven't changed. You're still X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, yeah, yeah, we'll see in six months. We'll watch you in a year. Wait till you're 10 years in that thing. And then we're going to tell all your friends, I knew her before. There was a particular time we were having a meeting and, and somebody who had known my past and uh, my mistakes and was very focused on them. And we were having these great meetings and they came and they hung out and, and uh, actually Alex had gone out to talk to them. They were sitting there and they were, they were being actually quite threatening. And Alex went out to sort the person out, and he said, don't you know who she was? She's done this, and she said, oh, yeah, we know all that. No big deal. <laughs> because I don't care who I was. That person doesn't live anymore. That person doesn't get to talk anymore. Some of you need to silence that old guy. Mm -hmm. So I am being read by everybody. So are you. I'm an open book that gets read. And that's kind of scary sometimes. But don't be afraid. Because we are the epistle of Christ, the anointed one, his anointing will show through. People begin to read it. It's kind of weird. 
wow, you know, and then they begin to think that you are in the pulpit who you are when you're at home making bread. And, you know, I'm glad for the anointing to, in the kitchen, and so is my husband, you know. <laughs> However, <laughs> I said, there, there's a place where it can be uncomfortable when people recognize. You're going to have to get through that without your head getting so big you don't go through the door. Amen? We are manifestly declared to be the epistle, the book of Christ, or the anointed one and his anointed, ministered by us, written not with ink, and here's the help, but with the spirit of the living God. The spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Uh, when your heart is pure, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about someone knowing your past. It won't matter. You won't have to worry about sharing your foibles and your misses. I share them. I'm human. I can do some things without thinking that's how come I can preach about it and know about it. When I talk about doing things by the flesh, it's because I've had practice with it. When I talk about operating in faith and hearing his voice, I can tell you about it because I've experienced it and I know it works and I've walked in it and it's pretty awesome. But it's not just for me. God's longing to write these things on your heart as well as mine. But I had to put aside my pride. I had to like, I really know about this. Hmm, how much? How, have I prevented any further learning by how I viewed things? In Hebrews 9 and 3, it says, When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. 40 years. You know, I think about 40 years, and 40 years ago, I was married and studying in college. 43 years ago, I was still on the road ministering and sharing the gospel with people. 40 years, I've seen miracles my whole life that it was surrendered. Once I surrendered to Holy Spirit, I've seen miracles my whole life. Not ones that I'd necessarily done, but I've seen them in others. I've seen the Lord work miracles through these earthly hands. I've gone places I didn't know I would ever go. Forty years. Forty years. And still, some think, meh. But I don't base my life on what others think. And neither should any of you. Now you may be only in their first five years of walking with Jesus. Some may tempt you. Some may try to prove you're a Christian. I love you. That's how, that's my greatest proof. I loved you when you were crazy. When you were mean and spat in my face, I still loved you. When you hated me, I loved you. When I knew you talked behind my back, that is the greatest proof you and I can ever walk in. When we love with the love of God, without restraint. And I can't do that if God has not purified my heart. I can't walk in it in a real way. And I certainly can't fake love. I'm not good at being a fake. I tried it a few times in my teen years. Didn't wash well. I am who God has made me. And so are every one of you. And yes, things will tempt him. What I, I look at this, I say, 40 years of temptation. I don't know that we'll ever stop being tempted. But it doesn't say 40 years of sin either. So I don't wake up every day and go, is the devil going to tempt me today? I don't think that way. I get up and I say, God, I thank you for directing my steps. I get things done. Sometimes 
I sit around. I could be reading. I could be doing something else. But sometimes I just sit. I've got three books I'm reading all at the same time right now besides the Bible. Somehow that just works that way. Your father's tempted me, proved me, saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. Why? They always err in their heart. Why? Why did they err in their heart? How did they get out of believing? They didn't know his ways. They didn't know him. This is life eternal, that we might know God. You see, when we talk about the matters of the heart, how it should breathe the very breath of faith, of the words of God being uttered in through our ears. You see, when the word of God is uttered and it comes into our ears and goes in our heart, it is the breath of life to us. And faith rises. And when that's working, we're not going to err. We're going to allow Holy Spirit to write those things where they rightfully belong. And we'll manifest them. And we don't have to get hung up worrying about the temptations, the provings, the crazy people. There are crazy people. There are people who don't like you. But there are many who love you. And love never fails. And if all you get this morning is, okay, God, I'm not really sure where my next step is. You can do this one thing. When you speak, I'll do it. And the sheep hear his voice. And I'm tired of following my own voice. I'm tired of doing it my own way. It hasn't been the devil shuffling off his plan. It's been me. It's been me. And God, I'm done with me. I'm so done with me. I'm done. And when you reach that place, then it's easier to hear his voice. Because you get you out of the way. And when you is out of the way, wonderful things happen. It's wonderful. And you can hear. And your heart comes right. And it begins to beat with that fresh breath of life. Oh, breath of life. Come and move in your people again. It's funny. You were talking about singing a song. And I had this song come to me just the other day. And it was like, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. And as I was thinking about the words, I thought, God, we've so messed up. Because I realized that was my side of the boat. Because he's everywhere. And he already called me to his side. And it was me who was sitting in the boat. He already drew me. He already called me to the deep. If I'm not dwelling daily in his presence, it's not his fault. Are we willing to throw our net on the other side? God wants to fix our hearts. Fill them with faith. So we're, we're challenged in the love department. We're never moved. That we can be merciful to the unrighteous as he is because he's in us. And that's where he wants us to go. God is writing his word on our hearts, our fleshly hearts, so that we really become that written word for all to see, manifested. Living it, full of it, loving people. That's what we're called to. And as we walk in that, we will never be moved. Hallelujah. 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 We are called to that kind of strength. There is strength in that. Can you see now this morning? As you're sitting here and Holy Spirit's begun to work this in you, that a greater strength comes to hold on, to believe when things don't look 
quite right. That you will believe more than a simple word of prophecy. I don't put down prophecy. It has its place. But the word must rise up in God's people again. That's the word that he wants to write. Not what someone else said. Not what someone else has said about you or me. But the very word. What he said about you and me. That's the word he's writing here. What he says. You are my child. I am your God. I am your God and you are mine. I am your God and you are mine. And he's writing that for all to see. Wonderful. Counselor. Holy God. Magnificent King of Kings. King of glory. Right here. Hallelujah. Would you stand upon your feet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. I thank you for your words. Purging out that which needed to be removed this day. That the clarity of our own self where it was, how it was operating, how it was holding us back, how it had limited your word from coming alive. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you wash it now, that you purge our minds from every dead work. Oh, that we might serve you. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Lord over our minds, Lord over our hearts. This day I ask you, the places where it may need to be reminded, where you've longed to write on our hearts, that it be written in strength this day. I am yours. You are ours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at